everybody. Welcome back. It's day three of the Road to Westeros, where we are getting you ready for season six of Game of Thrones. I'm Rob Cesarino back here with my Game of Thrones podcast co-host, the great Josh Wiggler. Sir Josh, how are you? I'm great. I'm a little nervous. Yes. We got to King's Landing pretty fast. Uh, funny story about that, guys. We had to travel through the Twins, yes. as you often do, in order to get down to King's Landing. Walter Frey, as you know, not a great guy. No. Kind of have to strike deals with him in order to move along and, you know, get past him. Strigoi. Strigoi. Uh, I promised that I would marry one of his daughters. And I said, I'll be back. I'll yes. take care of it. I'm married, guys. Like, oh, did you get the pick or he picked? I think that he's going to pick, but, like, I don't know how he's going to feel when, like, I come back. But, you know, I was kind of kidding. I was already yeah. married. I don't think I can go back to the twins is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think I'm done with the twins. So we have to stay here. Yeah, I burned those two bridges. I yeah. can't go back north. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> It was very awkward. Okay. Yeah. Boy! <laughs> so if he invites us for dinner, we should not go. No. Okay. Do not eat his bread and salt. Okay. It does nothing. It does not protect you. All right. Well, here we are. This is day three as we're getting ready for Sunday's premiere of Game of Thrones season six. We're very excited because to me... I always love King's Landing. I know. This King's is your Landing, favorite place. This is my favorite place on Game of Thrones. You're a flea bottom guy. Yeah, big flea bottom guy. Yeah. And so I'm very excited to talk about what's going on here. And love we those really, flea bottom jeans. Yeah. It was a big episode in King's Landing, especially with everything going on with Cersei and the Walk of Shame. Shame, shame, shame. And where we go from here, because we really had Cersei boxed in for the last half of season five, where she was in the jail cell, and now she is out, and will there be hell to pay for the High Sparrow, and everything going on here, and what's going on with Jamie and Tommen, and everything with the Tyrells at King's Landing, so I can't wait to see how this is going to play out. And the High Sparrow, he really came in last season, played by Jonathan Price, great actor. You know, he came in and he really, he really stank the whole place up. Really he? did, yeah. You know, he really sapped all the fun out of King's Landing. Very pious guy. He's you know really coming in with these very hard policies. You know, he's very anti-gay. It's really uncomfortable in that department. He's really just, you know, and he's claiming, like, I'm doing it for, you know, the disenfranchised, and I'm taking back the power. But some of his social policies are just not great. Yeah, it's very unrelatable. (laughs) Yeah, it's just just a completely foreign situation. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that guy sucks. Oh, man. So are you still excited about King's Landing, even though he is in the mix? Because this was, I think, your least favorite story of season five. Right. So I really didn't like how it went last season, but I kind of feel like uh, giving this guy some comeuppance. I I really am waiting for the Lannisters to strike back. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Well, we know how the Empire Strikes Back ended with Luke Skywalker with his hand cut off. Jamie's already been there. So right. how does the Lannister strike back and does he get a new hand? Mm, I don't know. And we'll see. He's just like, so is when Ani goes and visits Maester Kyber. And hey, I'm pr- I hear that you're pretty good at like stitching bodies together. <laughs> yeah, do you have a robot hand? Yeah, do you got a robot hand you could give me? He's like, yeah, I got you. I got you, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how that all works out. But we're very excited to be back here on the road to Westeros. Of course, if you want to make sure you don't miss any of our podcasts on the road to Westeros or when we start the Game of Thrones recap proper season this Sunday night, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. And we also appreciate your feedback, your comments, and your stark ratings. Your five stark ratings. Five stark ratings. All right. So, all right. Where should we start with Cersei? I think we start with Cersei with, you know, what she just went through. You Mm -hmm. know, Cersei, 
you know, she's marched through the street naked. She has her hair chopped off. It's a horribly humiliating situation for her. And I recall the last road to Westeros that you and I did. And throughout the early parts of that season, I was really saying, I think that we're going to feel for Cersei this season. I think Mm -hmm. that Cersei's going to be a little bit more of a sympathetic character. I think we're going to understand her a little bit more. I think as the season was bearing out, that wasn't so true. You know, I think that a lot of what Cersei got into was by her design. You know, she arms the Faith Militant. Mm -hmm. She goes to the High Sparrow and makes an alliance with that guy in order to, you know, bone over the Tyrells. Um, In so doing, she gives them the military authority to screw her over. Right. Um, She got really cocky through season five. She really did. But then it's a really hard fall. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really shameful fall. And it's hard not to feel for her in those final moments. But is that enough to be like a change? You know, we talked about Theon in the last uh, episode of The Road to Westeros and how like is Theon a guy who is going to change? Is he somebody that can, you know, kind of be redeemed? Do you feel like Cersei can find any sort of redemption from this moment, or is this only going to turn up the worst aspects of her? I mean, I'm not exactly sure. We've only seen Cersei for the most part as this person who is vengeful and ang- and angry, even in the best of times. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how we could see her become a different person, even if we sympathize with her. I don't know if it's maybe our perception of her is just changing more so than she as a character, is changing. Yeah, and I think that, I don't know, my impression of Cersei is somebody who does not take slights easily. No. Uh, She does not take that stuff well. She's not happy about that. Um, She's already having a horrible time right now. Her fate is still kind of on the line. She's not off the hook for the crimes that she's been accused of, which is incest. Albeit with the wrong one, you know, the, I mean, I guess Lancel was a correct call, but they don't know about the Jamie thing. Well, let me just ask you in terms of the shame walk. Yeah. Was that punishment? Like, did she serve her sentence for any of this stuff? I think a lot of that stuff is still in the air. A lot of what she's been accused of is still, you know, she's still punishable for that stuff. This was uh, basically, you know, this was like she's out on bond. And the, the payment for that bond is walking naked wow. through the streets to King's Landing. Um, so everything that's going on with her um, being, you know, accused by the High Sparrow and still being somebody who could be held accountable for her actions, that's still in play. The big other story to drop with her and when Jamie gets back, presuming right. that Jamie comes back from Dorne, is that her daughter, Marcella, has been murdered. Yeah. And so she does not know that news yet. Exactly. So, like, it's already terrible for Cersei. Like, right. She's already in such a dark spot. She's in a really bad place. She has been mortified in public um, in a way that she has never experienced in her entire life. We have never seen her at that low. And we watched her with her son, her eldest son, dying. Like, she's already been through some stuff. And this is just like the pit of despair. She's about to have thrown on top of that that her only daughter is dead. Mm-hmm. So Not great. Does she blame Jamie for that? Does she blame Dorn for that? Yeah. I mean, she's really very focused on High Sparrow right now and the Tyrells. So where do we go from it? When where does she focus her attention? There's a great line um, in season one. She has a great scene with Joffrey where they're kind of talking about you know the Starks and Joffrey being like, oh, I don't want to be with Sansa. Like I'm not into it. I'm just not feeling it. And she says something to the effect of like anybody who is not us is an enemy. You know, and that was really her guiding principle 
early on, I feel like she's really going to grasp that this season. Um, Can I be honest? I kind of missed the Joff. <laughs> I missed the Joff, too. I know. Jack Gleason was great. He was, yeah. he was really good because by all accounts, like everyone who's ever interviewed him or if you've seen video of him, he's like a really bright, funny, nice kid. Uh, and he's such a jerk on the show. Yeah, but I miss him. I, I miss the Joff. Tommen's not doing it for you? No. You're not a Dean Charles Chapman man? I'm a big Marjorie guy. You're not a Chap fan? But I kind of feel like the Joff, anytime he was in a scene, uh-huh. you knew it was going to be good. It was going to be great. That's why I'm saying I hope Ramsey sticks around for a while because, you know, he's kind of, uh, he's, he's like the Pepsi to Joffrey's Coke. Like, you'll drink it in a pinch. Yeah. Some people won't. My wife wouldn't. Really? Yeah, she's a big Coke person, but she will not accept your Pepsi. Wow. Yeah, she's really hard line on that. Okay. I know that this is what you guys are here to find out, so you know, <laughs> this is really important, riveting stuff. She's house Coke. Yeah, she's house Coke. Uh, so if the phrase, when we go to apologize to the phrase, if they're only serving Pepsi, it's going to be really uncomfortable. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We might red wedding that. Uh, but yeah, I think that's just the point going back to Cersei for a bit is that like, yeah, Marcella's dead. Joffrey is dead. She only has Tommen left. Um, Jamie is back. Is she going to be able? Can she afford to push Jamie away right now? I think I don't know that she can blame him for this. I mean, she might because she's Cersei and that's kind of what Cersei does. She doesn't you know, think everything through, but she's really short on allies. And I think it behooves her to be really nice to Jamie Lannister, right? The big wild card in all this, to me, is Kyburn's monster. Yeah, Sir Robert Strong. Yes, that's his name? That's his name, yeah. He's, he uh, named he's, it? Yeah, he's taken a vow of silence. Mm-hmm. And that's why he can't speak. Definitely not because he is a zombified version of the mountain who does not have vocal cords, I would guess. Yes, well, I am uh, Sir Robert Weak. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my night name. Yeah. And you have taken the opposite of a vow of silence. Right. Yeah, you've vowed to never stop talking. I've vowed to never stop talking. Yeah, ever. She's yeah. always talking. <laughs> so I'm really the opposite of Kyburn's yeah, monster really in every way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting that he has uh, the same first name as uh, the late Bobby Baratheon, too. Huh? Mm-hmm. Bobby Strong. Yeah. Sir Bobby Strong. Do you like that name for the mountain? <laughs> Bobby Strong? No. You're not a big fan? No, I don't love it. I think Bobby Strong is going to catch on. Okay, I hope so. Uh, but he is a wild card. Uh, he is this, you know, gigantic monster that looks like, you know, Goldar from Power Rangers on steroids, mm-hmm. um, like performance enhancers. And he, who knows what that guy is going to do, but Kyburn has been working on this all of season five. Maester Kyburn has been working on it and checking in with Cersei. How's your project going? Oh, it's good. The project's going real good. Uh, And just when she's in this, you know, really terrible spot, when she finally comes back after the shame, shame, shame walk, Kyburn is there to comfort her. uh, And so is this mountain, you know, this mountain zombie. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see a little bit in the trailer that that guy is just like stuck to Cersei like glue. So if Cersei is really, really upset, which we know that she is, and if she's feeling really, really vengeful, which I think we have you know, reason to believe. I'm feeling vengeful. Yeah, I'm feeling revengeful right revengeful. now. If she's feeling revengeful and if she wants to spill the High Sparrow's proverbial beans and pee in his rice, then I think that it, you know, she's got a really powerful ally to do that with. Yeah. With Robert Strong. So there could be, you know, the streets of King's Landing could really be running red this season. So just on a week to week basis, Mm -hmm. like what do you think the story we're going to be seeing in King's Landing is going to be? On a week to week basis, what's the story in King's Landing going to be? I think that we're not done with the conflict between the High Sparrow and Cersei. I think that he is still going to be flexing his muscles now that he has the faith militant, now that he's armed up, now that he is in a position of power. 
in the trailer, he is talking about, um, you know, how uh, what, you know, the most powerful thing is when the disenfranchised come together. I think he's still going to be working on that. I think that there's going to be some political wheeling and dealing on that front and Cersei's going to be contending with it. And I think that there's probably also going to be some planned payback for Dorne. You got to imagine um, I think that that could last for a minute. I think that that could go for, you know, a solid five or six episodes. But at some point, the Lannisters will strike back. You know, yeah. the Lannisters strike back is going to happen. And whether they win or they lose is the question. Got to imagine that they're endgame characters. So I like their odds. But I think that King's Landing as a whole, I think that the people in your favorite flea bottom, I think a lot of those people are going to really suffer as a result of whatever civil war is happening here. Marjorie and Lars, are they still locked up by the Faith Melvin? I think so. I mean, we haven't seen them. You know, we haven't seen them get out of there. Uh, Loras was taken. Marjorie was taken. We haven't seen them released. Maybe that will happen. Maybe they will be released. Or maybe they're just going to be behind bars for the whole season. That would suck. It kind of would. I mean, do we think that there'll be any sort of reconciliation between the Lannisters and the Tyrells to get out of this situation? Hard to imagine that they've got, you know, I, I know that they both have a common common interest in getting away from the high sparrow but i would get like i have a much easier time seeing them trying to untangle that knot on their own than putting their resources together to untangle it together there's just so much bad blood between those two houses i think beyond the Tyrells, i think one of the most interesting characters to watch this season in the king's landing story might be i know that he's not your favorite but might be tommen uh, might be King Tom and might be Dean Charles Chapman's character. And this was a tweet that we had gotten from Levy who had said, if Cersei's prophecy is fulfilled, how and foremost at the hands of whom is Tommen going to meet his fate? And just to reset that, what that was, was, uh, you know, back in the day, back when Cersei was a kid, she and her friend paid a visit to this uh, prophet, this witch named Maggie the Frog, who told her about a lot of stuff that has come true. And one of those predictions is, uh, you will have three kids with gold heads of hair, gold crowns on their heads, uh, and gold will be their shrouds, mm -hmm. which indicates they're going to die. Two of the three are dead. Does this season end without Tommen in the grave as well? I think that he will continue past this season, but it will be interesting for Cersei now. Okay, the first two kids are gone. Now I think that she's going to do everything in her power to keep Tommen alive. Yeah. And as we've seen in the final destination movies, you can't cheat death. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can try, but Tony Todd is always coming for you. Keep trying, yeah. but it'll be fun to watch Cersei try to. Okay, I am going to keep him safe from death. She's going to be in real mama bear mode. Uh, she's really going to be super protective of him, and we've seen her be really protective of people in the past, and I think she's really going to sink her claws in. And I think that that's another reason to think that she's going to be especially revengeful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that we're really going to see a lot of that. I don't know. I feel like I feel like you kill Tommen, and that opens up some Iron Throne possibilities. And as we are sort of marching toward an end game, there is no end date announced as of this recording. But you got to imagine that Game of Thrones has two seasons max, probably. Is a happy ending for Cersei at the end of all of this? just to be able to walk away from King's Landing, walk away from the Iron Throne with Tommen, just go back to Casterly Rock, mm -hmm. and just walk away from all of this. Maybe, but I don't think there's a happy ending for Cersei Lannister. You don't think so? No, I think that the, you know, we, we talked before about, like, this isn't the show where the bad guys get their comeuppance all the time. Like, there isn't the poetic justice that those people get, as often, at least, as the heroic characters get. But I think that this can't end well for the Lambs. Just Cersei, Jamie, Tommen, 
get out the game, yeah, get out go the off game. into the sunset. I don't think she's going to be satisfied with that. You know, I think that she's somebody who who likes her. You know, she likes her spot at the top of the of the mountain. You know, she likes to be in charge, not the top of the Robert Strong, the Bobby Strong. Uh, she really <laughs> likes to be in charge, and I think that she is going to fight tooth and nail for supremacy in King's Landing. She will not let that go, and she will not see that retreating to Casterly Rock with Tommen is the best way to keep him safe. I don't see that. I see her fighting tooth and nail to stay in power in King's Landing, and I see her ultimately losing that battle in a yeah. big way. See, I, to me, the King's Landing storyline where it is right now, I just don't know how it factors into the end game in all of this because, you know, when I think about the end game of Game of Thrones, yeah. the end game of Thrones, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that, okay, the Danny story, that makes sense. We need Danny, we need her dragons, we need Tyrion to sort of, you know, get the dragons to go to go and fight. We have the White Walkers, we have the stuff in the North, we have Jon Snow, we have Bran. That stuff, that makes sense to me. Yeah. But everything else in between, the King's Landing stuff and, and everything going on there and Dorne, that to me, I don't know how that puzzle piece fits in with those other two things. Well, it goes back, at least for me, to our conversation at the start of the road to the potential fall of the wall. Why does the wall fall so that the White Walkers can come through and they can now be all over Westeros and people are getting hurt. People are real, you know, the real threat, the real danger is making itself known. And if something like that were to happen, the way that King's Landing factors into the end game, I think it kind of factors in, it's probably that there's some practical way that it factors in that I can't see quite yet, but at least philosophically, it's going to be the big fat reminder that like all of that was for nothing. Like all of that wheeling and dealing mm-hmm. ultimately did not matter one bit because there was a much bigger threat that all of you guys were too greedy and too petty to ever realize. And I think that that really fits with the core of who the Lannisters that are not Tyrion are. Like I feel like them being in fighters and just worried about their own BS for them to have to wake up and see that all of that was really fruitless in the face of something completely inexplicable. I think that that's probably where it's going, at least thematically. That's kind of where I think. Like, to me, Tommen or High Sparrow versus White Walkers. Right. To me, like, I, I don't even understand how that's a story. They right. lose. <laughs> they lose quickly. And the story is that it was for nothing. You know, it's a, it's a shaggy dog tale. You know, it was all of this <laughs> Lannister wheeling and dealing for nothing. Okay. Yeah. All right. So... Anything else for King's Landing, Josh? No, let's keep marching. We got a lot of walking to do, and I really want to get off of Westeros because I am nervous about the whole twins situation. Okay. Well, let's go east. Let's go east. Let's, let's go tra- east. Let's travel east. Let's cross the Narrow Sea. How's Essos this time of year? I don't know. It's probably, you know, I think probably warmer. Doesn't seem like the winter thing is quite hitting them yet. Yeah. Okay. I packed shorts. I'm wearing shorts right now. I'm very excited about Marine next season. Are you really? I am. Oh, I am. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get into that tomorrow. Day four of the road to Westeros is coming tomorrow. We'll talk Marine. We'll talk Danny. We'll talk Tyrion. We'll talk Varys, Grey Worm, Missande, mm. Ser Jorah. Yeah, Ser Jorah and his cootie spot. Yes. the cootie spot. <laughs> so we've got a lot to talk about tomorrow. Make sure you don't miss it by subscribing to the podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. We appreciate your feedback, your comments, your stark ratings, and all that stuff on our iTunes page. All right, Josh, what's the hashtag today? I like Bobby Strong. Bobby Strong? There you go. Give some Bobby Strong love. There you go. He beats out the Joff. The Joff is good as well. Rob Week? Rob Week was good. Robert Week was really good. And House Pepsi. House Pepsi. (laughs) 
<laughs> Take your pick. Yeah, there you go. Take your pick. All right. So we'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you follow Josh Wiggler on Twitter. He's at Round Howard. Anything else? Nope, that's it. I'm at Rob Cisperino. Looking forward to reading your comments on postshowrecaps.com. Take care, everybody. Bye.